Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well today. It is Wednesday, March 30th. It is 10.30 a.m., and it is time for Bible study. Today we are jumping into Revelation chapter 6, and Revelation is about to get weird. The first five chapters were fun, uh, specifically two and three when we talked about the seven letters to the seven churches. That was pretty practical stuff. But today we are talking about the scroll that came up in Revelation 5 and what's happening because of the scroll. And so uh, it's about to get a little weird, and I'm going to share some stuff with you that uh, I think may be true, but uh, some of this stuff is going to remain a mystery for all of us people who love God. So uh, we are looking forward. We are looking forward at the, uh, at the, the great tribulation, as some people call it, the end of all things. Uh, and Revelation 6 is where that gets going. So wherever you may be, thank you for making this a part of your day and uh, look forward to uh, continuing our, uh, our study together. So thanks again for, uh, for joining me today. Okay, so let's jump right in. Verses 1 and 2. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures call out was with a voice of thunder, Come! I looked, and there was a white horse. Its rider had a bow. A crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. So, a horse, a white horse was called out, and the white horse went out. Now, because it's a white horse, most people, the immediate thought is, well, it's Jesus, right? Because Revelation 19 says that Jesus comes on a white horse. And it's always, you know, it's the American western right that says that the good guys ride the white horses and they have the white hats and all that kind of stuff but it's not true we're supposed to think that this rider is good we're supposed to think that this rider is good because this is someone who's going to imitate jesus and he's given a crown so he's going to be a ruler and he rules with a bow so he's going to have military might and he has dominion and power and he's going to conquer and continue to conquer and he's going to have lots and lots of nations under his authority, uh, but he is not Jesus. He is a false messiah, and he's going to lead humanity uh, in rebellion against God. In the pattern of Nimrod beginning in Genesis 10, this person who's riding this horse in the first two chapters is someone we refer to as the Antichrist. And so we have to ask, is the Antichrist sent by God? Is the Antichrist sent specifically by God to to fool us, to trick us, to lead us astray? Because, I mean, you know, we don't know where the horse was created or who this person is or where they came from. But but it is the angel of the Lord who says, come, right, and go and is sent by God. So it's really quite confusing. What What is the purpose of that? Verses three and four. When he opened the second seal, remember there were seven seals on the scroll. So when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature call out, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people would slaughter one another. And he was given a great sword. So this rider is sent very specifically to do one thing, to take peace away from the earth. Not to bring war, not to bring destruction, just take peace away. Take peace away and the people of the earth will do everything else, right? Just take peace away and we will take it from there. We are people who, uh, if you take our peace away, we are going to fight. We are, we are going to jump into a fight quickly, right? And so, you know, that's human, humanity's great tradition 
is war. There have been more than 150 wars going on in the world since World War II. 150. At any given time, there's more than three dozen armed conflicts going on in the world. Thousands of people are dying every year. And more than a mil, I'm sorry, a trillion, more than a trillion dollars a year is spent by nations for military stuff. Right? So we as people, we are, we understand conflict. It is our, it is our language. Take peace away and we will, we will do the conflict. We will take it from there. You don't need to worry about it. So the second rider comes and takes peace away in the nations of the world and the people of the world. They start to attack each other. They start to go to battle with one another. So that's exciting. The first rider leads us astray. The second rider takes away our peace and causes us to be at war. What happens next? Verses five and six. When he opened the third sail, I heard the living creature call out, come. I looked and there was a black horse. Its rider held a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's pay and three quarts of barley for a day's pay, but do not damage the olive oil and the wine. Okay, so the third rider, what he's doing? What is he doing? Well, the third rider is bringing about massive superinflation so that a day's pay is equivalent to what it costs for a loaf of bread. A day's pay, imagine that. A day's pay for a loaf of bread. So if we, I mean, if we just do some quick math, right? What's what's the average American salary today? We'll call it $50,000. We'll just, right? So that's about, that's about $120 a day, $150 a day. Um, yeah, we'll call it $150 a day. Okay. That's what it's going to cost for a loaf of bread. $150 for a loaf of bread once the black horse comes. So uh, basically... People aren't going to be able to afford to eat. People aren't going to be. And so what we see is a world where we see all around the world that there are people who can't afford to eat, right? People all around the world can't afford to eat. There are starving children. There are starving people all over the world. There are starving people in the midst of the most prosperous nation in the history of the world, right? We know that we know that there's fewer hungry people today than there was 100 years ago by percentage-wise, Right? But we also know that it won't take much, it won't take much to plunge the world into this kind of scarcity where there are people who literally can't get food. And through the years of COVID, through the, 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 the concerns that we've had over the past couple of years, we've seen, uh, you know, shipping issues and, and supply chain issues. And so it's hard for people to get the things that they need. And the, going on right now, people uh, will... What we're seeing is Ukraine, which is a big grain producer, uh, is unable to produce grain. And so um, it's going to be challenging for people, right? It's going to be challenging. Uh, And so this third rider, the black horse, is going to bring about inflation and it's going to there's going to be scarcity. And but the nicer things, oil and wine will still be available for those who can afford them. Do not damage the olive oil and the wine. Because those who are wealthy, they can be able, they'll be able to afford them. So don't damn. So it's just kind of. I mean, so the first horse is coming to lead people astray. The second horse is coming to take away our peace, so that we go into war with each other. The third horse is coming to make food scarce. And now, verses seven through eight, 
when the fourth when he opened the fourth seal i heard the voice of the fourth living creature call out come i looked and there was a pale green horse its rider's name was death and hades fellow followed with him they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword famine and pestilence and by the wild animals of the earth there was a pale horse and death followed with him whoo all right so a fourth of the earth a fourth of the world I, they were given authority over a fourth of the world they were giving permission to kill a fourth of the world this is out there <laughs> i mean this is this is where it's like what, what does that mean um, so power was given authority was given to this pale horse the rider on the pale horse to kill a fourth of the world and and power was given we have to say we have to assume we have to conclude that power was given by god for this so does this bother you what do we do with this what do we do with this when we say god has given authority to the rider on the pale horse to bring death for a quarter of the world what i mean do we take this literally is it symbolic what do we do with this what do you do with this I know there's some people who think that this should be taken quite literally and that we can point to times when this has actually happened. Some people think that this is still going to happen. Some people think that this is all symbolic. But what do we do with it? Does this vision bother you? Because it kind of bothers me a little bit. It kind of bothers me a little bit unless, unless, unless we believe that, you know, death isn't that bad of a thing, that death just means that we get to go to eternal life. But what about all those who, you know, don't have faith? What about all those who don't have confidence in their place in salvation, their place in heaven? This is okay. Jumping ahead, verses 9 and 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw the altar, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered for the word of God and for the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, "Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before you judge and avenge our blood on the inhabitants of the earth? They were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number would be complete, both of their fellow servants and of their brothers and sisters who were soon to be killed as they themselves had been killed. Okay, question here. These are murder, martyrs, people who were killed for the faith. So is the understanding here that all these things happening to the earth, are they happening after the faithful are gone or while the faithful are being killed, right? Each was given, a, they were told to rest a little longer until the number would be complete, both of their fellow servants and of their brothers and sisters who were soon to be killed as they themselves had been killed. So when we're talking about the pale horse with death following and all these other things, are we talking about for people who don't have faith? Is that what John is talking about here? But okay, what we're talking about here is those who, who were under the altar, their life was poured out as an offering to God. They were, uh, they were because of the, the word of God and their testimony they had given, they were killed. The idea is drawn from Leviticus chapter 4, verse 7, and he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offering. And so those who had died, they want vengeance. They say, Lord, how long will it be before you avenge our blood on these people, the inhabitants of the earth? How long will it be until we can see 
our ven- see vengeance happen. And the Lord says, you just need to wait. You just need to wait a little bit. That's not what we expect God to say. We expect God, I mean, Jesus is not one who takes vengeance, is he? Is he? I, but that's what it says. Just wait. So, again, though, this leads us to ask the question, when these seals are open, does that mean most of the Christians will be gone? And so most of the Christians aren't going to have to deal with all these riders coming around and all these difficult days that are ahead. All right. And then the rest of the chapter, verses 12 through 17. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and there came a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became, became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree drops its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky, f- <laughs> I, I love that as an image, just like the fig tree drops its fruit when shaken by a gale. And all people go, oh yeah, I know what that, I, I know what that's like. <laughs> I've never seen, maybe you do, I don't. Verse 14, the sky vanished like a scroll rolling itself up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the magnets and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of the wrath, their wrath has come and who is able to stand? So the rich and powerful, the generals and the magnates and all these people, they run to the mountains and they hide in the caves and they say, fall on us mountain because we don't want to face, we don't want to face God, right? In the midst of these earthquakes and these big, big celestial disturbances, which was where we see, you know, God showing up, the Messiah showing up. We see this in Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Zephaniah, and even Jesus himself talks about it, that um, these big things happen and that's when God shows up and oh all the inhabitants of the earth are going to be brought to their knees by God's wrath and so they hide they hide not just because of the coming judgment but because they're afraid of him who sits on the throne they're afraid of the lamb they're afraid of God they're afraid for all the things that they have done and then it says who who is able to stand who is able to stand in the face of all this wrath, who is able to stand in the face of one so mighty and powerful? Well, Christians are. Christians are able to stand because we are justified by grace through faith, not because of our actions. So all these people did bad things, but they had no faith to be justified by, and so now they have to deal with God's wrath. But Christians are able to stand. The more I read this, the more I get the sense that Revelation 6 is a uh, written about a time when the one who leads everyone astray is going to uh, is going to seek out Christians and get rid of Christians, and once the Christians are gone, then then you see all these difficult and dark things happening. Just just an, a thought, but it, I mean, this is all symbolic, and who knows what it means for real and when these things are supposed to happen. If they've already happened, if they're going to happen in the future, if they're just symbolic. You know, it's up for your own kind of interpretation. What What do you think? How? So then we ask, how do the seals fit in God's prophetic plan? Right? What do these seals have to do with the future? And so we talked last week about the scroll. What was written on the scroll? We had all these ideas of what's written on the scroll. Apparently, what's written on the scroll is the end. It's the it's the his, the, the future history of the world. It's when God says this is all going to come to an end. And but 
we don't know that because th- these are just the things happening when the seals are broken. So we don't know. But we ask, so do these seals represent conditions immediately before the end? Or are they general conditions over an extended period of time up until the return of Jesus? There's a sense that we could say both, right? That we know that bad things are happening now, that there are lots of things that have happened, that there have been earthquakes, that there have been pestilence, that there have been problems, that there have been wars, that there have been all these things. But what we do think is that if these things are actually going to happen, that they're going to get, um, that they're going to happen in a larger scale, right? They're going to... The, Bad, it's bad and it's going to get worse, right? It's going to get worse when these things actually happen, if indeed they actually happen as it is written here uh, in Revelation chapter 6. It's dangerous to think, it's dangerous to think that anything that happens uh, now or has happened in the past, we, it's dangerous to say, well, that's one of the seals, right? Because we just don't know. We just don't know. And so Revelation 6, this is the first time where I'm leading a conversation on a chapter and I just kind of want to say, let's just ignore it. <laughs> let's just ignore it. Not because um, not because we don't understand it, but partly because we don't understand it, but because it's so easy. It's so easy to misinterpret it. It's so easy to to run with something because of it and, and, and just be running in the wrong direction and just uh, think we have an understanding of what it means when we really don't. So um, there's chapter six. I hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have. And next week we'll look at chapter seven. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, may you all be blessed and protected and may God, uh, God's love always be with you in Jesus name. Amen. Have a great day. Take care of yourselves.